0: one hey guys welcome back to the generation alpha podcast we are here with season two and i have a very special guest with me today um i told you guys on the last episode that he was coming on i talked about him a little bit um his name is joseph tomaselli um we got into a conversation, uh, in involving real estate, uh, about a week ago. Um, I saw this guy on a Q and a with a friend of mine who interviewed him, like, I think it was like three weeks ago. And, uh, I just saw the potential there for like somebody to bring on who had a lot of wealth of information. Um, he's going to provide you guys with some great opportunities to learn how to maybe get in- involved in some things that you didn't think were possible. Cause you, maybe you thought that know, I don't have the experience. I don't have the ability to get involved in real estate. So he's going to give you some options and some ability to maybe get involved with real estate and have a new set of income that you never thought was possible. And he's also going to talk about some really great mindset stuff when it comes to coaching. I talk about this stuff a lot. We vibed on this stuff over our phone call last week and I just know this is going to be a great episode you guys are going to love this guy and uh he's he's awesome so uh please welcome to the show uh Joe say hi and uh just you know tell a little bit about yourself where you came from yeah
1: so hi guys um you know my name is Joseph Tomaselli I've been a real estate investor for the last now I guess 10 11 years going and so pretty much What I've done is set up a business where I can be completely virtual instead of being in my market, be a virtual real estate investor. So I live in Los Angeles, California, and I invest in Houston, Texas, where I'm from. So I'd like to share a little bit about what I've done um, and what basically what's gotten me here with, you know, self-development. With the practice of you know psychology and using the inner workings of our mind to kind of get me to the next level throughout the years, and so if I can sum it up in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. Um, you know how I've been able to be successful in uh, running a real estate business in a firm for the last ten years.
0: Yeah. So the reason I brought Joe on uh mostly just because of like you guys are gonna see he's got a great personality and uh he he's he's just able to uh he's he he rolls um just like <laughs> how everybody else who I bring on who you guys loved from last season. Um he's got a very similar attitude. Um so you know, and also what was really cool about Joe is I felt like we vibed a lot when it came to um our mindset behind coaching. Obviously, like people know that, you know, I've been involved in the coaching game now when it comes to health and fitness. The reason I have Joe on is because obviously everybody that comes on the show, you can be an expert in a lot of things, but you have to have some sort of background that kind of ties into health and fitness. And um, like, I've had people message me a lot and they're like, Hey, can I get on the show? I'm like, okay, but what do you bring to the table when it comes to hitting with my client's you know, who watch the show or hitting with the audience who watches the show because they're all coming here for like under one kind of umbrella, and that's like the health perspective, the fitness perspective. But that ties into so many different things. And we talked about in the last episode, we talked about mindset a lot. So, um, you know, I felt like coaching is a big piece of that. And there were so many coaches that do that the wrong way. So I'm bringing Joe in to kind of just talk about some things too about. Uh, you know, how we find certain things when it comes to coaching, how we make people better and the tricks that he's picked up. And he's going to kind of teach you guys a little bit about that. Joe also has a mentorship program where he actually helps people get involved in real estate investing um, in a way they never thought was possible. I'm going to have him talk a little bit about that. Um, But, you know, honestly, I kind of want you to get into your background when it comes to sports, right? Because I think that's something that's really important here. Um, you know, for people that don't know, Joe used to be a college athlete, correct? Right? Am I right about that? Right. Uh, yeah. So you played played basketball, right?
1: Played basketball, played point guard, uh, played all the positions in high school. Um, but yeah, played uh point guard in college.
0: Okay, gotcha. So what were the things there like in when you were playing and like when you're playing basketball in college? First of all, I don't care what college you go to, it it, it takes a it takes a high level of athletic ability just to be able to get involved in college sports. So like, I mean, did you, have you played sports your whole life or was it something that you picked up in high school? Like where, what's, what's the background on that?
1: Great question. Um, So my basic, my basic background in sports um, and in general kind of goes a little bit like this. Um, You know, I was, 11, 12 years old, um, you know, was big into football, <clears throat> but I never got the positions to play in that I really wanted. So, you know, one day, you know, I started getting this uh, growth spurt that I noticed. I'm like, man, I'm getting a little taller. And my friend, uh, I'll never forget, his name was Johnny. I'm still, t- to this day, still friends with the guy. And I-, I can remember it like yesterday that I fell in love with basketball because I was almost like above average and I wanted to take advantage of that. And so we were like at a school festival. It was like the end of the year festival. And it was like, uh, him and I playing on this like free throw contest. And I just started hitting shot after shot. And he was like, dude, like you're really good and you're tall. So you need to play basketball. I was like, "Ah, that's a good idea." So, all right. So, like, almost overnight, I fell in love with the sport, and so um, you know, that kind of took me to getting very motivated. Okay. And so, you know, what I ended up doing was fast forward to high school. Um, I was in a peculiar situation, and what what ended up happening was my father passed away at an early age. Um, And I'd love to talk a little bit more in depth about that and how that's helped. Um, But ultimately, um, you know, I was stuck in a situation. My mother's an immigrant. My father was also an immigrant um, and I was at a school where it was predominantly white and I, and, and I'm Peruvian, but I'm also, uh, Italian, so I look very white. So if you see me, I, I can get by. I can yeah. totally get by without no one knowing. But once they knew in my school, and I'm not going to name the high school I went to, but right, but but ultimately, but ultimately, I was stuck in a situation. So at 15, 16 years old, I forced my mom, and this is the beginning workings of my athletic career. I, I forced my mom. and said, mom, I'm going to make this m- my own decision. I'm going to go to a different school where there's more opportunity where I can start. And And I was beating the guys in varsity. As a sophomore, I was beating their best players um, one-on-one. I was just a better player. I knew. And that's not from an arrogant standpoint. That's from right. I hired a I hired a personal trainer going into my sophomore year to lose 20 to 30 pounds. So like I was all, all, all in, And so I made that, I made that decision to say, you know what? Something's unfair here. And I have to make this decision or I'm going to lose my career in high school with basketball. Something's got to change. So from there, I kind of started getting the first bit of a skill that I call observing ego. And it's a psychological term um, that I, I tell anybody, look it up, Google it. It's the ability from you being an adult, you being an adult, or let's say adult, maybe 15, 15, you can classify whatever, I don't care, just an adult, you having the ability to step out of your body and recognize what's going on around you, the difference between a conscious person or adult versus a baby is a baby does not have an infant, does not have observing ego. This is an adult skill that somebody that anybody needs to develop. It's kind of like the action of journaling. If you journal, you're actually stepping outside and noticing what's going on. So I took that. And I started noticing, Okay, this is an unfair advantage these guys have because of how much their parents make, um, you know, who they are, et cetera, et cetera. And anybody that's been in sports, basketball, baseball, football understands politics are involved in every sport in any level right? Yep. Every sport, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter about basketball, football, whatever, any sport, any, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, at that point, um, you know, I pretty much said, okay, let's transfer schools. We'll figure out a way. And the coach got wind of that, didn't like it and forced me to do, you know, a hundred push-ups in his office, which was ludicrous. I mean, if you do this today, I mean, you can, call, <laughs> you can call the cops on this guy. And, yeah. so, and so, you know, long story longer, um, you know, that was my first introduction into really understanding what's in front of me during sports and an unfair advantage. So I had to kind of, you know, kind of understand what's in front of me to get to the next level, if you will. I got if that makes sense. No, it makes right. Sense. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, I went to that new school and I started on varsity and, and from that point on, and those teams were rivals. They weren't like astronomically better than one another. Really? It was, it was, Hey, I realized an opportunity and I made the bold choice to bank on my, my confidence and my opportunity. So that was my that was my first
0: huge turning point for sports, yeah, I mean, I think that's like something like a lot of people like just where they just lose right It's just like their ability to understand uh where they're at um I, I, and that sounds so simple, and that sounds like such a like look like, duh but like i mean it's in reality it's it's true like there are so many people like that literally just can't even comprehend they don't want to sit there and look at where they're at like they don't want to look yeah, they at what level honest
1: at. with themselves they can't be they, honest with themselves
0: right basically yeah because it challenges yeah. everything that they basically and social media has made it so much worse right because every time you post something you can't take it back right so okay like for instance like i'm just going to use a bodybuilding example like and I don't even know if this guy listens to the podcast or not, but who cares? Whatever. Um, it's not like I haven't caused enough controversy on this podcast before, but whatever. So this guy in particular, uh, who I'm talking about, he he loves to just like lift heavy shit and, and prove that he lifts heavy shit. And like, I don't think anybody's ever questioned that he could lift heavy shit. Like <laughs> it was never, it was never in question. Like it was never... Um, you know, it was never like a thing. So, um, you know, he, no, what's funny is, is like his development when it came to bodybuilding was like insignificant compared to his development when it came to like strength, power, those kind of things, because he came from like a football background where he was just like, you know, let me lift like, you know, with power, lift the most shit I can off the floor, that kind of stuff. And The problem is, I think too, is like, once you post that stuff on Instagram, right? Like, let's say you post you bench pressing, you know, um, 405 pounds for 20 reps. Okay. No matter what now you believe, even if it's not true, you believe that people look at you as the guy who only bench presses 405 pounds for 20 reps. The reality is no one really cares what you bench press. But because you submit, you sub, you know, you submit that in your mind. You think now, even though my development lacks because of what I'm doing in the gym of how I'm training, right? Because my training isn't correlating to more growth. It's not correlating to more development. Therefore, I have to change my training. You've hit the a difference. Somewhere. Is, You've hit a peak somewhere. Yes. Yeah he lost he lost the track of development like he went he started almost like going backwards even in a sense Be and like he just didn't understand why he couldn't improve and the reality was is that the way he was training just it 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 wasn't it wasn't like the way he should have been training for the sport that he was trying to get if he wanted to be a powerlifter it was 100 percent the way he should train but like he's not in that sport so i think For him, though, it became a sense of like he couldn't ever go, like thinking even about going down in weight to maybe go up in development seemed like such a ludicrous idea because it was it was threatening what he believed was helped him be where he's at. Even though it's causing him all the setback, he completely disregards that because he's not able to willing like you say he's not willing to step outside. And look at everything and say, well, have I tried changing the way that I'm training? He won't do that. He wouldn't do that. So therefore, you know, um, it, his career came to a, to a short end. And um, be, If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I might get this wrong, but I want to say like early 30s. So I want to say like 30 or 31. I want to say like not that old, honestly, like probably at the point where he should have actually just been hitting his peak and just completely came to a halt, but I don't, I I think, I think that's where he's at. Um, You know, he, you know, we actually might start actually working together. So I'm I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure if he's hundred percent done yet. I kind of have found a way to kind of talk my way in to kind of maybe seeing what I can do uh, to help him, but that's a whole other story. But basically what I was saying, it's a good example because it shows someone who couldn't really step outside of themselves and look at what they're doing seeing like, you know, am I the reason that my progress is, is, is coming to a halt? Am am I the one stopping me from, from going forward? And that is the difference between somebody who makes like these big jumps, right. Who's able to make these big jumps. Like most people in your like example, most people would just be happy playing at the school with all the mediocre talent. Right, most people would be happy because why? Because they're the they're the guy. They don't they know that they're sitting at the top, and to them, that's more important than challenging themselves to be better.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing, too. Like, um, interesting enough, um, the reason why I ask how old he is is because once you start getting into your thirties, I'm thirty five. Mm-hmm. Once you start getting into your thirties. 35 and older. There's a um, there's, I'm a big nerd. I'm also a basketball player. Like, I think both of us share that kind of quality, oh, yeah. 100%. right? 100%. So, yeah. you know, we're curious, right? We're very curious because we want to solve the problem. Right. Um, so, there's a famous psychoanalyst. Uh, his name is Dr. Jerry Buss. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, You've heard of him, right? Yes. And so, and so, you know, there's a famous, you know, Insta, Instagram, but really social media influencer um, that was close friends with this guy before he passed away. And he asked him, hey, you know, w- what's going on? Why am I noticing, you know, around 30, you know, my audience and my sales tend to drop? And he said, well, here's the reason. Well, when you get around the age of 30, what happens for your mind and what happens scientifically to your brain is your brain starts getting to maturity, meaning the growth on your brain, the growth in your brain begins to reach its peak. Okay, Mm. so. What ends up happening is when you hear older people say, oh, you know, my grandma or my grandfather, they're stuck in their ways. (laughs) Right. We've all heard that.
0: I got a story. I got a story. about
1: Yeah. 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 It's the same. It's the same thing. Unless and he said this, unless you have some kind of trauma or you do really whatever you possibly can to start making small incremental changes to get to the big changes. And I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, ultimately, that's what somebody has to do. Somebody has to be there telling you, hey, you got to change, bro. Hey, if you don't change, this is where you're going to end up you're going to end up where you really do not want to end up poor, broke out of shape, depressed. And so, you know, I, I told you earlier, you know, I took a lot of notes, you know, in order to be great, you have to prepare. Right. So, so, you know, I, I've got it, I've got examples here and, and ultimately, you know, for me, it was, and it constantly is to this day having some honest coaches that i can trust and that i know are going to be honest with me not just you know fucking jack me off you know cuz
0: <laughs> yeah you know, i have a story Cause... yeah i have a story but we're just talking about that <laughs> another interview today like literally same exact thing yeah
1: yeah you have to be honest man and it, joe rogan even talks about it on his podcast he labels this and this is specifically for men um, you know men we have an ego. Let's be honest. Um, you know, we, we have pride and there's good pride and there's bad pride, but ultimately you've got to be honest and you need people around you, uh, for coaching and mentors. You need somebody. If you don't even pay them, who cares if you don't pay them? You need somebody to be honest with you because otherwise you're just going to be stuck. And so that's my two cents on
0: that. Yeah, you know, we were talking about in an interview today. We were talking about, like, um, I was doing an interview with uh, what you guys heard last week now, because uh, that that episode will have been aired uh, last week uh, in previous to this episode. But basically, as you guys heard on that episode, we were kind of talking about the fact of, like, Everybody kind of lives on this line that I call it, right? So most people, like there's a line of comfort, okay? Some people live way above the line. That's like your ultra luxurious lifestyle people um, who basically just have too much that they, know, they don't know what to do with. But where do most, uh, majority of Americans live? They live on this line that is sort of, you know, just it just kind of sits there. And it's not like, it's not like a great life, but it's also not like, it's also not like too shitty to do something about it. That's what I kind of say. So, like, right. that's where most people live, and 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 regardless of whether you think your life sucks, which I hope you don't think your life sucks, because I tell people every day, I'm like, regardless of how shitty you think your life is, there's literally always someone who would be willing to give their life for yours in you know blink of an eye, but. Basically, what I you know, what I was saying in that in that podcast was just like everybody kind of lives in that line of comfort. The majority of people live in this line of comfort of like and that's why some people don't ever really reach success, because for them to actually do something about the way that their life is, something has to push them below the line. Whereas successful people tend to like super people who are super and success isn't always measured by wealth. Like I want people to be understanding about that is like, you know, I don't mean in a successful way. I mean like them achieving what they believe their purpose of why they're here is. That's what I envision as success is like you are achieving whatever it is that you believe your purpose is and doing, living your life to the fullest. And so the people, the people that get to do that, the people that are at that level at that high level of success, they're not the people that are sitting above the line. And they're also not the people on the line because they always keep themselves somewhere below the line. And that's what I always try to teach people who come to me who want to be like, who have this like ultra vision of like, they want to be way up here. And I'm like, well, if you want to be at that level, you always have to live in this state. You have to live in a perpetual state of uncomfortability, because if you're too comfortable, you'll never be successful at whatever you're trying to do, right? Whether that's basketball, bodybuilding, football, you know, business, um, no matter what it is, like, if you're too comfortable, you're never going to push. So you like, I always try to keep myself at a level of like, I always want to remember like why I'm thankful for certain things and 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 why I'm pushing myself is because I always want to keep myself like right below that line. Because like if 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 I don't, then if I kind of sit where most people just sit in that line of like, oh my life is shitty, but it's not shitty enough to do something about it. That's where most people I like live. That. I so like that. yeah, you got to push yourself below the line. And unfortunately, like you said, for most people who live on that line, what has to happen to them for them to be pushed below lines, something tragic unfortunately has to happen, and whether that's health, when it comes to the health business, usually you see people that are like, all oh, they're unhealthy, but they're not unhealthy enough to do something about it, right? Like they know beautiful. that they should be doing something, but it's they just beautiful. don't do it. Yeah,
1: it's beautiful. So. It's like uh, it's almost like you know, <clears throat> there's this comment somebody made recently. I can't remember when it was or where it was, but they said. Um, they said, listen, when do you go to the dentist? Go to the dentist when your tooth hurts. When do you go to, the when, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, and, and it's like, yeah. damn, that's crazy, man. You know, that's hilarious, but it's, it's also very, I, I like what you're saying because it's, it's almost kind of a uh, parallel to what I like to do and, um, how do I say this? In the way I work. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I told you when we first met, I'm like, hey, I'm all virtual, man. Like, I don't want an office. I have no desire for an office. Right. And it's my goal to never be in an office. Well, why is that? Because I know my personality, I know mm-hmm. who I am. So I know I get the most optimal results for me without feeling bogged down in an office. So I like to adventure. I like to integrate my life into my work. That's always been, you know, um, that's always been something that I've enjoyed, balance. But, you know, achieving the things that I really wanna achieve, you know, at least $10 million in real estate um, holdings at least, you know, apartments under my name, you know, at least, you know, $50,000 in cash flow every single month, you know, all these little goals that I have, they're, they're reachable with this kind of style. And I've climbed up the ladder, you know, bought and sold my first commercial property this past year. And so, you know, I know myself and you know, yourself so yeah. that's, that's problem, what right? you, most
0: people don't fucking know themselves.
1: They don't know how they work and you know and, and they don't know how they work well. And I used to tell um you know my friend this, she was having trouble, you know, kind of getting her business going and I said, "Listen, you got to understand that you have to find your groove, your groove on how you work. It's a routine. Like I get in my car, or I walk downtown and I'm taking phone calls. I'm doing work. If I have to sit down and do something, okay, I'm going to sit down in front of the couch or on the couch. I'm going to do some work. I'm going to sit on my bed. Uh, Winston Churchill, one of our famous leaders in American history, this guy would sit in bed for two to three hours and work. That's how he got up in the morning. He wouldn't, he wouldn't wake up at four in the morning and, you know, go do sprints This guy, American famous leader would sit there in his freaking pajamas and work, you know? So you, one way is not every way for everyone, but your principle, I believe in your principle. What you're saying is be uncomfortable, force your mind to be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and or body to get your maximum results.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's not even like it's not even. And I'm not telling people like I, I like I have some crazy shit that I would do. Like, you know, when I was, I I (laughs) studied. Yeah, you, you told know. me i remember yeah, dude know, yeah. i have a i yeah. have a
1: phenomenal memory not to not to brag but i remember everything if i yeah. was like a socio if i was like a sociopath
0: yeah you'd or, be pretty good yeah
1: I, i'd be a damn good like yeah, <laughs> yeah but i i remember you told me you like sleep on the floor sometimes yeah, i
0: do i do sleep yeah. on the floor yeah people people yeah. that's that's one of the things like people i'm a risk <laughs>
1: I dude let me. me share let Man. me share something with dude, you that ahead. i do weird I'll share something that I do weird. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's hysterical. Like I drive on, I drive in my car and I work. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I first started in real estate, I started doing this kind of stuff. I would drive when I was working and I would take phone calls and whatnot. There's little goofy things that I'll do. For instance, like in my old apartment, I kept locking myself out. So I was like, dude, what am I going to fucking do, man? So I had like my lunchbox that I would take to work. And this was like 10 years ago. And I would put my keys and my lunchbox in the freezer. So I wouldn't forget them. Like (laughs) I would put a system, I would put a system in place and I would do this. And then on top of that, I would journal three times a day. And I would talk about like, I would talk about some fucking weird shit. Like I would be like journaling about like, okay, I need to get better with women. I suck with women. <laughs> let me like, let me approach like two to three girls a day. How did it go? Okay. This girl fucking cussed me out. Cause I was, I looked like a creeper. <laughs> this other girl gave me her number. And then this other girl, like I got a date on Saturday with. So like, I would do these weird things, but what's weird to us is like what's weird for the things that we do that's weird. We for find completely normal. Completely yeah, normal. we find normal. We're like, dude, you yeah, guys are weird.
0: Yeah, it's like it's not like a big deal. I'm like people. People tripped about you know people trip about the the floor thing, but I'm like, look, like it's not like I was what like. Did I
1: say to you, I told you, I was like, that's fucking yeah. awesome. I, told, I was like, that's yeah. fucking awesome. I didn't have yeah. any judgment. I was like, that's fucking. Yeah. Weird, dude. Well, it came from just like
0: yeah. I mean, it came yeah. from like a point of like me being able to just feel uh grounded but it also helps me like i told somebody the other day i was like when you go from sleeping on your i'm like if you think like if you think for any reason that you're like oh like you know you ever you ever buy like a mattress and you're just like i can't believe i paid so damn much for this mattress and you're like i fucking hate this mattress i want you just I, you don't have to i'm not telling you this, but, but i'm just saying like people need to understand like go sleep on your floor for a week And then go sleep in your mattress. Tell me how great that mattress feels. Like, doing little things like that for me, like, even like when I would, you know, prep, you know, any, any bodybuilder knows this who preps for a show is like, when you diet and you suffer so damn hard to get that lean, everything, every food, and no matter what it is, it all tastes great. It all tastes amazing. And you start to realize that like, God, like, I'm so like... I'm, I'm so like i'm so soft on myself when i'm not in this in this state of mind right so like now like you know for me like myself like i you know i fast like um you know 18 hours a day now and i always have to do some type of physical activity i make myself do some type of physical whether it's go uh, go swimming or whether it's you know uh get on a treadmill or you know walk a couple laps around my compound or that i live in in like uh the complex i live in and where it's like um you know uh, do a workout or something like that like it's not optimal i'm not telling i don't tell my clients to do that for like muscle building purposes but i'm just saying like for me i make myself do that now so that i earn my food i earn what i eat and like everything tastes great because you're like ready to eat your body wants to eat it, it invites everything that you're putting in yourself it, it invites it in and it's ready it's ready to eat so like i do those little things like, you know, if I feel like my productivity is like lacking for any reason, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to go sleep on my floor for a few days. I'm going to go, you know, make myself take like, you know, ice cold showers and remember where I could be, um, you know, if I don't get myself, uh, back on the road, back on the track that I need to be. So like, I do that. I do that a lot. I do that. I mean, not a lot, cause I don't really fall off a lot, but I'm the same when I feel myself, like I am falling off, like I'll do those little things to get myself back on track.
1: Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing too. Psychologically, what you're doing is what young men in this society, millennial or Gen X or whatever it is, mm. um, that lack. You know, we're a yeah. we're a fatherless society. The millennials, we're a fatherless society. So what's yeah. what's happening? What's happening is fathers are absent, and this is why I'm so big on this. And another reason why I love to coach is because it's fulfilling. What you're doing right now, psychologically, if you go to a psychoanalyst tomorrow, he'll tell you exactly what I'm telling you. What you're doing is you're being a good father and a bad father to yourself. So in other words, yeah, in other words, you're having the good dad on one shoulder saying, good job, son. Hey, keep it up. And then on the other shoulder, you're saying, hey, you fucking piece of shit, get your (laughs) dumb ass out of the bed. And go do what you need to do. Like I'm Hispanic, I'm Peruvian. I told you earlier. Um, you know we have a saying. Right. We have a saying. Yeah. You know. Uh, where you? You told me what, what? What ethnicity are you? I'm Italian. Yeah. Italian, my guy. Right. So you know. Hey, forget about it, huh? <laughs> so, uh, so, so like my mom. You know, my mom's a Peruvian one, and she says uh, "Ponte tus pilas." You know, in Spanish that means "Hey." Put your batteries on and go rule the day and go do what you, yeah, go do what you need to do. And so what you're doing psycho, psychoanalytically is you're being a good father and a bad father to yourself, whereas a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't have that. And that's, that's a big, big, big downside um, to what's going on. You know, today that's why a lot. You know, you don't have a lot of men standing up for themselves. You don't have, you know. I run into men. Uh, so sad. I'm not going to rant, but I, I saw a picture.
0: It's okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I saw
1: a picture. Yeah, right. Um, but I saw a picture of this guy uh, getting on all fours, and they were in a subway. It was him and his girlfriend, and he was on all fours, hands and knees. And his girlfriend was sitting on his back. And I said, you got to be kidding me, man. This is, this is ridiculous. And I get in heated debates because I'm, I'm somebody that grew up without a father for a large portion of my teenage years. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. And so, and so I feel very passionate about that. Men, men, need to learn how to be young men because it's a trickle down effect. If you don't become a man, you will have a terrible life. You will statistically marry or, you know, have a kid with somebody that you don't wanna have a kid with and your life will go on the trajectory of a terrible life. It's a trickle and it's serious. It's, it's very serious. So, when I tell people, hey, listen, you gotta have the good dad and bad dad. What you're doing right there is you're giving yourself in real time confidence and self esteem. That's what any human needs in this planet, specifically men, because men are not growing up with fathers, and fathers give their children, their boys, confidence. What do you, what does a dad do? Just go into any movie. A a dad's teaching his kid how to fix a car. His dad's teaching him how to throw out the garbage, how to put a new roof on the house. He's giving him actionable skills to have a quality life. Bottom line, he's giving you confidence in your abilities and that's what's lacking. So I commend you on that, man, because that's I don't know your background, but that's, that's vitally important.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think to people, um, I think what, like I think for one thing, you know, where it comes from is understanding of like, and I don't really know how I got into this mindset. Like it's been a long, it's been a long journey and I don't, I, yeah, I think it's not, it's not like something like people ask me, like, I think I told you, right. Like someone told me, like people tell me a lot that my mindset, my attitude, the way that I see life reminds them a lot of, of David Goggins. And, and, and I didn't know who that, I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know what he was about. And I had a couple people, I've had people tell me that before I had someone actually tell me that a couple weeks ago. And I kind of was in a, I kind of got down on myself in my mind about a week ago. And I thought, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to the, who this guy is like the one Joe Rogan episode on his podcast. That I hadn't listened to I was like, I'm just going to check this guy out. And I mean, there's a lot of different things in our life that, 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 that differ, right? Like he had a completely different, uh, reason as to why he transformed himself than I did. Like he was actually like overweight, fat, all this stuff. I was like the complete opposite, right? Like I was like a stick and I had nothing on me. And so like, there was a complete, it was, there was a lot of, you know, you know, non-similarities. Like he grew up with like a dad who like beat the shit out of his mom, uh, for people that don't know his background, and it was a pimp. And was a pimp. Yeah, and was a by pimp. By the way. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. so and and I bought my friend that book for for his birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. I want but now so now I want to actually I wanna read the book because I haven't read the book. And I was like, I listened to his podcast, like fell in love with the guy in like two hours. And I was like, I, I was just like, I felt such a strong connection because I just heard so many things that he said and I was like, wow, it's like there is a lot of similarities in the way that we not our background in life, but the way that we see things and what needs to be done. Like There's a lot of similarities how how we're approaching things in life. And so, you know, like for instance, like like my dad, for instance, I I tell people this all the time. Like, like my dad was like a machine, right? Like my dad's just like, if there was an Android for a human, and I mean this in a good way, not a bad way, but if there was an Android that was just designed to like work and make other people's lives easier, that would be my dad. And like that's just always who he's been my whole entire life and that's who he's been to himself and to his family even before he met my mom that's who he's been to his family his whole entire life is just like the the machine that made other people's lives easier and he was willing to do the work to make their life easier and so like the trajectory of, of my life you know I go I go into like sort of like my background like where I came from, what, how I got here, all this stuff in, in an episode in season one, in the very first episode I did in case anybody's interested. But basically like the reason that I used kind of him as an example was because like I used him as an example to to realize thing, little things I should do to make myself work harder. And like, because um, he didn't necessarily like instill that into me, like you have to do this, you have to live like I do. Like he wanted me to live an easier, a better life than he, than he did. Um, because he thought that was the reason that he was working. Right. Cause like I said, he, he worked to make other people's lives easier. And that included me. But from when I started getting these big aspirations of what I wanted to get done in life. And when I started realizing my purpose, I had to change. I, I had to change what he wanted for me. I, I had to use instead, I had to use him as an example to, to, to change my you know what I was doing to make me drive harder, so that I could achieve and go after the things that I wanted to go after in life. So that's kind of how your mind, yeah, yeah. trick your mind a little bit, right? Yeah. So, like, I have this belief that, like, you know, the world operates um, because there's a, a few people that are have to, you know, and I, I say like, I, I don't mean like in a sense of like you have to do this and like it's you know there has to be people and it's a burden it's instead it's like it should be considered an honor right like i think that's the thing that's missing from men in general just like you said before is like when it comes to men there's no such thing as like it's not a burden to make yourself feel like you have to hold up the stone right like you you're atlas holding up the earth like that's not a burden Atlas didn't feel like that was a burden to him holding up the earth. It it was, it was his responsibility. So therefore he saw it as an honor. That's kind of how I see my mindset of like, just like, imagine myself holding up the foundation, the pillars and being one of those people that, that holds up the pillars so that everybody else's life can be the way that it needs to be. Like, I have to be one of those significant pillars. um, Because no matter what we want out of society, out of people, nobody ever is going to be what they need to be you know you know for the most part most people aren't going to be what they need to be so therefore we have to have these people who hold up the stones who hold up the foundations so that so that the world can go on and life can be better for for other people so that so that the quality of life doesn't start to dip for everybody so that's just my personal belief that doesn't mean like you know not everybody believes that and, that. and that's, that's, that's fine with me. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need everybody to believe that that's why I do what I do. And I don't feel like, yeah, like, I don't feel like it's a burden on me. Like I, I set that as like, I feel like I've been chosen and I feel like it's an honor for me to lead this life. And like you said, I, I, I just think that like men today, it's fulfilling today, to you a hundred percent and men today don't yeah. know anything about honor. They don't have that instilled in them of like live an, live an honorable life to no. to serve for a purpose they think that like oh i would never want to work for somebody else right to even if it even if it even if it means achieving it, it's a piece of what i'm doing to achieve um what i need to achieve i'm not going to do it because like i just don't want to listen to somebody else tell me what to do like there's literally people that are at that mentality at that mindset and they're you know, their life. And like you said, we're not, I'm not going like, to, to a rant, but yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I I want to kind of get into the background of your dad. Uh, I think you told me that you he died when he, he died when you were 15. Is that right? 15.
1: 15 yeah. 15. So,
0: yeah. I mean, what, what, what did he, uh, what did he pass away from?
1: So my dad was a avid drinker, alcoholic, okay. Um, but it was like a lot of young men in that era, let's say like seventies to, you know, two thousands, um, really sixties to like maybe nineties is a better assessment. Um, you know, a lot of that was simplified times. So you didn't have social media. You didn't even have GPS, you know, guess what guys back in the day, people used maps, you know, like. So my father was in that realm of time where things were more simplified. So if you don't have that much entertainment. What do you do? You know, you go entertain yourselves with drinking, you know, you go, and I'm not making excuses. It is what it will. It well. It is what right. it was. And so ultimately there was good and a lot of bad there. So, you know, the gist of it was, you know, I tried to not, play the victim, but at the same time, understand, hey, in anything, there's going to be good and bad. Yes. Am I technically a victim? Sure. There's detriment. There's, um, you know, detriment to, you know, how you grow up. There's a lot of like stuff going on there. Sure. But you cannot be a victim all your life. Right. So, right you know, with my father, you know, my father died at, when I was 15, uh, suddenly died of a heart attack right in front of me and my mother in our living room. Uh, traumatic. I mean, it doesn't get more traumatic than that. Um, and, you know, obviously it can, but nevertheless, it was very traumatic for yeah. me in that moment. So, you know, with my father, um, you know, I took some of the good. And to this day, I don't drink excessively. I've never been an excessive drinker. Um, so that played a good part because of my father. I didn't want it to and see.
0: You saw the I, destruction. Of
1: what it I done. got to see the destruction 100%. And my father was my father. I had, I have three brothers and uh, sisters, half brothers and sisters. Um, his first son is an unbelievable artist and talent unbelievable like in the, some of the stuff I'll, I'll share with you this guy his IQ's got to be 140 150 my brother but he suffers from bipolar 1 uh, yeah. so so he wasn't he he wasn't able with the capacity to get to those next levels, like my father. And so, you know, I got to see the destruction there wholeheartedly. But I took the good there as well. So, you know, what we ended up doing, me and my mother, is we became more avid readers together. She would read, I would read. We'd get into, you know, psychology. We'd get into self-help. I would go to Barnes & Noble's. And um, back in the day, there was a million. And I would sit there for hours on hours reading, knowing that like, Hey, you know, at 18, I'm broke and instinctively, <laughs> like, I don't have anything. I don't have an inheritance. I don't have anything. I'm living with my mom. She's an immigrant. Second language is English. We're up shit's Creek. Like mm. if I don't do something then my life is going to be very bad. And so instinctively, um, that took me to learn the inner workings of my mind, and specifically speaking, the male mind. Because I have goals and I have aspirations, but I have instincts that are completely different than a female brain and mind. Completely different. Um, and I know that's not cool to say today, but it systemically and scientifically is what's going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, long story short, um, that's what kind of got me going. So um, I also like to say, like, hey, this is not a replacement for therapy. Like, I've been through therapy, I've done a lot of work, but it is an amazing amazing thing that you can couple with learning yourself the psychology of your mind will get you so much further in life than you really can imagine and so you know to to add on to that um you know there was a guy that was very instrumental to my success from from excuse me from 20 on up I started learning about this this program called MindOS. And this guy's name is Dr. Paul Dembranski. And he was around the time where info in the early 2000s and, and around 2010 was becoming very popular, very, very, very popular. And so I took this guy's course and I learned what, It is to have, um, the inner workings like, so for instance, how to develop confidence, how to develop self-esteem, how to systematically with a roadmap, figure your life out for the better. And so that kind of took me on a lot of journeys, um, overcoming my fear, um, you know, in certain aspects of my life. So for instance, um, I learned how to, you know, we were talking about this earlier, um, approach women. I was not good with women and, you know, this is kind of, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, weird, but it's really not, um, it's very important because it it wasn't the fact that it was women. You can insert anything. You can say business, you can say, you know, learning how to fight, you can say, you know, how to, you know, meet new friends in a new city. All of these things matter. But Dr. Paul's course was able to teach me what to do in these moments in order to get the confidence so that in order I can develop the results that I want. And that started from, you know, my childhood it, and if i didn't have a bad childhood or you know a mixed bag of a childhood then i don't think it would have taken me to learn my brain and learn my mind and so i'd love to go into that a little deeper because it fascinates me and i feel like it can help a lot of people but that's yeah, I mean, the
0: mm-hmm. you you talked about you i know we talked about on the phone we talked about a. Uh you know someone who you know i've listened to you know a lot and it's funny because you were like about you're like i guarantee you know who he is but we talked about uh jordan peterson who's become a sure. big um you know he's become a big icon when it comes to uh, exa- doing doing exactly what you're talking about which is um really in in reality he's just really saying things that are really honestly pretty simple it's just that sometimes the the simplest things that are the truest are, are, are not the things that want to be accepted or at least not so anymore. So I, I think like there's a lot of things that he talks about where it's like, it, it, it's honestly, if you boil it down, it should be common sense, but it's not. It's not. So, it's not. yeah. So I mean like-, like you know making your bed kind of deal. Like,
1: hey, you yeah. think <laughs> that's <laughs> you think that's easy? Well, there's psychology as to why that's easy. But uh, yeah, don't let me cut you off. Go ahead.
0: No. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like, you know, what I, I'm just curious when it comes to you, like, you know, when it came to pushing yourself towards still wanting to play ball, still wanting to go to college. Cause you, you I mean, for most people, you know, a- after they, after their dad dies, right. Most people just shut off. I mean, like if something happens like that, most people who watch somebody die in their life, there was actually somebody very close to me in my life. When I, I always say that this is when my life pivoted, when my life changed, is I watched that person who was really close to me. They died uh, in my arms. I was thirteen years old, yeah. and um, I, I, I don't know. I can't say for sure. Like that's. I'm not saying that that's that did that did something to me psychologically and changed me. I'm just saying I kind of when I map out how my life went, that's when my life changed not for the good but for the worse
1: It so. systematically changed you because trauma initiates action mm. yeah i'll say that again no, trauma that. initiates action because you're so enthralled in your depression in your hole that and all of this is backed by dr paul dr paul and Dr. Paul is a board-certified psychoanalyst and psychotherapist. So what made me really excited about that work was it was backed by science. It wasn't some jackass saying, hey, drink a soy milk latte and you'll feel better in yoga. Or, you know, hey, the crystals stick them up your ass and you'll feel better. No, dude like
0: yeah no no no, like no dude
1: you you need something concrete you need something that you can really you know hang your hat on right and so I, I, i agree so like man you know in those moments um it kind of you know when i was down you know i got a crazy way of talking right
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why i brought him on here because i know i love it because like the first time i saw him in an interview like i told you guys like i said like i remember sitting there and watched this interview and i was like i was like this guy will say anything i but i loved it like i loved it i was yeah. like I, that was like i told you like uh you know our, our mutual friend uh you know uh natalie delgado uh she does these q a's for real estate every thursday so if you guys you know you guys can check her out you know on instagram her instagram's natty buys homes and uh she does real estate q a's and she brings people like joe on uh occasionally here and there and she brought joe on (laughs) most people say she hasn't and this is no shot at natty in case she's listening probably not but like i've been saying in case she doesn't listen to this uh this is not a shot at her q a but for the most part like i'm done within like 20 minutes because i'm just like i you know i can't it doesn't hold my attention. The first person, you know, the one Q and A that I watched the whole entire thing, and I think it like it was the longest interview she'd ever done, right? Like, yeah, I she think couldn't with even you, save
1: it, dude, she couldn't even save it. That's, how <laughs> That's long funny. It
0: was. Now I remember There's you guys you. went for like an hour and a half, like two hours, something like that. I'm sitting there, I watched the whole entire thing. I was like, because I'm gonna tell you why it's because like he brought a different perspective to what she was doing, and, and is this because of like your attitude, you were just like, I, I just like the fact that you were just you it as well. And you were like, I'm not going to sit here and just talk about just the stuff that people want to hear. Like, I'm going to say shit that not everybody wants to hear. And that sometimes is the most entertaining, at least to me, because that's the stuff that I'm the most interested in. It's the stuff that I don't think I want to hear. Like I told somebody on, a, on, the, on an interview earlier today that I did, there was somebody who changed my mind about a particular subject that I never thought was going to change, that I never thought my mind was going to open up to Last night I I I got into a discussion with somebody, changed my whole entire thought process on this one thing. And but I I like I secretly like I love that. Like I'm addicted to that. Like I look for things like that that challenge my thought process on a on a consistent basis. But that's I just want to say like that's <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt yeah. your story, but like that's no, why I yeah. like having you on. Like that's just so exciting because you, you will you you say things that just like Jordan Peterson. Uh, For people who know who that is, like I said before, like you guys say things that challenges what what society likes to i likes to identify as the norm. Right? It's not necessarily like it's not like it is the norm. It's just that the media, social media, society, people, just in general, they like to choose and identify the things that they want as the norm. Not necessarily, you know, it is the majority or the thought process of the majority of people. It's just what they what they would like to be. right. Does that make sense? What
1: they would like to be sure. And it's like, sir, I also think um, you know, there's a lot of like black and white thinking. It's like, oh, you know, hey, it's got to be X,Y,Z or not. I'm not an X,Y,Z or you know one, two, three um, conformist. Mm-hmm. I know who I know who I am. I'm not great. At you know, writing essays. I'm not you know great at organization. You know, I have to have a maid; otherwise, my place is going to be a disaster. Because (laughs) I focus, (laughs) I focus on you know the major things that I need to do, and the other things that I'm not very good at, I'll have someone else do, and I'll pay him for it. So you know, going back to the Natty interview, um, you know, it's very, it's always been massively a priority for me to be, uh, to be myself, um, say, you know, and talk the way I want to talk. But at the same time, be incredibly over the top honest, because here's the thing with, in my opinion, when you lie, when you bullshit, when you, you know, try to twist and turn the truth, Jordan Peterson even says this guess what? You're not damaging or getting away with anything. You're damaging yourself. You're running away from the truth and you're running away also subconsciously from the results that you want. So be incredibly honest in anything you do. Be over the top honest in anything you do. And it's it's not going to help you or them directly, it's going to help you indirectly more than you know. And that just, that blew me away. And, and I've always, I've always tried to make it um, in anything that I do, a priority to be as authentic as humanly possible. I'm not going to sit there and tell you about the girl that screwed me over when I was 14 and dodged me on Valentine's (laughs) day. Like (laughs) you don't care about those things, but the things that, the things that really matter is being transparent, being honest, because people can feel that man, Mm -hmm. that's what you felt. You felt like, Oh, this guy's fucking, you know, will say anything, but at least he's honest. At least he's, yeah. At least he's somebody I can respect. You right. know, and that's, that's, what's always gotten me to, you know, the good things in so real estate true. and the good network, man. And nobody's perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but you know, 80, 90% of the time, are you able to live with yourself? Are you able to do the things that you need to do, uh, in order to, you know, get to the next level? You got to be honest, man. You just have to be honest okay. and, and just be yourself. And I really, really believe in that.
0: So hard for people to do, right? It's just to be honest with themselves anymore, and it's like it's you know i I think there's this like ideology that people think that just because they're not going around like lying to people's faces like you know they're not wearing red shoes and being like, "I own a pair of blue shoes. they think that like, oh, I'm not a liar, but like if you're lying to yourself about who you are and how you're living your life, that's worse, right? I'd rather you lie to me about the color of what the shoes that you own than you be living there in your own house, lying to yourself about who you are and what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, who you're blaming, you know what I mean? Have you
1: ever met somebody that, like, instantly, I know you just mentioned me, but not, all, all in humbleness, have you ever met somebody else and you just were like, man, dude, like this person's really cool. And I really resonate with them. And it kind of just took you for a loop. The same thing happened to me like um, almost 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I remember an older woman walked into my store and I was working for uh, at and at the time. And, and I'll never forget. It was very random. Like she was an 80-year-old woman but she was talking like she was like 20 and she had the attitude and energy of a 20 year old. This is a grandma coming in here with gray hair, you know, a little like, uh, you know, of course she's in her eighties. She's not in the greatest shape in the world, but you know, she's, she's also like not in the worst. So, you know, at the same time, she was just so charismatic and I'd seen like a million, you know, elderly people in there getting cell phones. And that's what we used to sell cell phones. And so, you know, she came into my store and I instantly was attracted to her. And I just, was, I had a great rapport with her and I'll never forget. And this is to your point. I'll never forget what she told me. She said, listen, son. And I was like 23 at the time. She says, everybody lies. Everyone lies. And I said, so what does that mean? She says, don't worry about those little lies. Worry about what they lie about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Not, Not that they lie. Everyone lies. What do they lie about? What areas of their life and your life or whatever do they lie about and to this day this is 12 years later to this day i still remember that because i i keep an eye on who i'm associated with and i try to see okay is this guy a bullshitter or what (laughs) is this guy guy, you know
0: yeah i think we both like because we both have this because we both kind of like went into those dips, right? Like where we went to like these really low points in our life. But like for me, for instance, like, I don't know, you kind of talked about this too when we were talking on the phone last week. Um, I kind of talked about the fact of like, and I tell people this all the time, like don't lie to me, right? Like don't fucking lie to me because as, as good as you think your lie will be, I've done one better, because I lived in a point in my life where everything that came out of my mouth to the point at some point in some degree was a lie, right? So like, as good as you think of a, there's a, of a liar that you are, I've been better. So whatever step, whatever process that you are at in your skill of lying, because like right, because lying is a skill, especially when you're skill. when you're fabricating a story, it's a skill. When it, you know, and negotiators and people will tell you that all the time. People who have been in the military, who you know, who have you know, been interrogators, those kind of guys, they'll tell you that you know that's a skill. Sometimes people are born with that skill, and but you can also learn that skill as well. And, you know, uh, you know, world-class thieves, people who steal for a living, they're really good at it too. And, um, you know, I kind of tell people, I'm like, don't, just don't lie to me. Like, don't lie to me, lie to somebody else, because if you lie to me, it, it, it's like you said, it depends on what they're lying about, but I will know immediately. Right. Because my lie detector is, is is way up here. And like, as good as you think your lie is, it's probably not that good right? Because you never mastered the skill. You never gave your say. And like, here's the thing, if you're not typically a liar, definitely don't lie to me because you're going to be way too easy to pick apart. Right. And like, it's just a big mistake. So I'm like, you know, there's massive, massive indicators and, you know, indications that people give typically when they're lying. I'm like, I'll pick it apart. language, tonality, Mm -hmm. everything, you know,
1: congruency, like, Hey, like, I can remember almost anything and everything that really matters to me. So like, if I'm in, if I'm dating a girl or, you know, I'm in a business relationship when they're thinking I'm not listening. Oh, I'm listening. Oh, I'm listening. And guess what? I don't just rely on my memory. I also rely on fact checking and going and finding if there's any discrepancies and guess what often you know there is and <laughs> there
0: so usually and, is yeah
1: and there usually is but you know here's here goes back to my psychology days and we see we see everything and and I'm not perfect everybody's just trying to figure this out we're just in my opinion I'm just giving you the tools that's work for me that's has gotten me to a good place in my life. And I hope to get to a better place in my life. And so ultimately, I always say this, listen, you can bullshit, but you can't bullshit a bullshitter.
0: So, you know, like that's, so. what,
1: that's, that's what you're saying because they've already done the drugs. They already tasted the drugs. They can yes. smell the drugs before you're even handing it to them. So, you know, I always say, you know, I used to say this kind of crazy thing uh, a while back, but it was like, hey, you know, sometimes it's not that bad to just take the woman that's been through all the drama, that's done maybe a lot of drugs, that's maybe done, you know, some bad things in their life over, you know, the completely good girl, you know, because at least she knows hey, that's a terrible place to be. That's a, yeah. It's a terrible place to be. And here's the thing, dude, you can get this. It's not the fact that, you know, it's, it's such a terrible place because of the things and you don't have. It's the fact that internally, you feel like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Internally, you can't sleep with yourself. Internally, you're like, oh, man like you just have more anxiety, you have more fear. Okay. So I I always tell people like that, you know, just an LA boy page on Instagram, like all these toxic pages on Instagram, dude, like it, you know how to find a really good woman or a really good guy. The, the number one thing to do that you'll never hear an Instagram page tell you is develop your own character
0: hundred percent. Wow. That's great. It's great. That's great advice for sure. Yes.
1: Guess what, bro? Look, if you're, I'll give you a beautiful example. If you're driving, if you have a Ferrari mechanic, right? That mechanic might not know how to fix a a Toyota, but he knows how to fix a Ferrari. He knows how to fix it because it's higher end stuff. He's not going to mess with little crap. So in other words, Once you've developed your character so well, once you have high maturity, so high, you're not going to sit around and be with somebody that's lower in maturity and character. Another great example. Look, I'm not trying to jack myself off, but the point is, look, you're you're never going to see an attorney be with a janitor. You're never going to see that. Why is that? Because their characters are completely on different ends of the world. This guy has put himself in through 12 years of college, whatever the case may be. The janitor, they're eating McDonald's for dinner. The attorney, he's eating at the Palm. They're two different worlds. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm not shitting on the janitor. I'm just telling you the character of an attorney, a high-powered attorney, or anybody that's a professional, the amount of character that takes is not sufficient or comparable to the janitor.
0: Yeah, I, no think, I think what you're saying, just a sense of just like, even just to take professions out, it is just a sense of like, you're basically just saying like, a professional individual who's focused, who's driven, who's successful, is not going to be with somebody who just wants to sit around and drink beer all day after work and watch Netflix. It's not going to happen. So that's it's the, not going to yeah. happen. It's not going to happen, man. And, right.
1: and that's why I always say, listen, develop your character. There's a famous quote, character is destiny. That's, yeah. Socrates, Socrates said this, character is destiny. I might be getting my philosophers mixed up.
0: <laughs> But, but it's definitely, most of my audience is bodybuilders, man. They don't know, they don't know, so you're good, man. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so, I mean, you know, in a nutshell, I truly believe if you want to become anybody that's great in anything, it's going to take those, it's going to take that discipline. It's going to take your character. Do you, do you turn down the toxic relationship? Do you turn down the friend that just wants to smoke weed all the time and, you know, watch Netflix? Do you do the things necessary in order to build momentum for your life to go the way you want it to go? And character is the deal. It's like bodybuilding, man. Like you cannot escape having a good diet. Yeah, that's character. Really. It's, you can't, that's character. Meal prepping every single week doing the things that you know you need to do, the cardio that nobody ever wants to fucking do cardio, right? Yeah, never. <laughs> nobody nobody never. ever wants to do cardio. But I play basketball for three hours straight. And my friends that are bodybuilders, I have a good friend. His name is Sam, uh, Ethiopian guy. Number one student I've ever had in real estate. He's, to this day, one of my closest friends and allies. He used to bodybuild and when he came and visited me and we played basketball he still lifts pretty heavy he was like dude what the fuck was that how are that's you hard. playing for 3 hours man that's you're in incredible shape you're a little overweight you know sure whatever but dude that's incredible stamina like how do you do that well dude it's doing the things that you need to do it's the character i built so much Of a character in basketball, so much of my character in basketball that, you know, now that thing's just a habit. I can go play. Dude, I'm 35. There's not many 35-year-olds playing three hours of basketball. It's it's just not in, in the heat, in the heat of California. So... Yeah,
0: you know, LeBron, yeah, Le, man, LeBron, so, LeBron, James. <laughs> LeBron James,
1: yeah, LeBron James, you know, Jesus Christ, you yeah. know, this guy spends a right. million dollars a year on his health, right? Yeah, and, and so you know, I didn't mean to go on a tangent, no, but yeah, you no, know, I like it, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely the cure to anything. So character,
0: how do you, how do you go from playing basketball to working at AT and T? to getting into real estate? That's, that's, that's the real question. How does that happen? So
1: um, a lot of it had to do with the inner workings of my mind and learning how that works, because I was just getting drunk uh, at 24, 25 is when I got into real estate prior to that from 22 to 25, I was scrounging for $6 $10 $10 me and my friends would get enough money to buy a six pack and then we'd be broke the next day. We just party. So as soon as I got into the learning about psychology and seeing the results, that's when I started getting confidence. Okay. <laughs> so I'll give you a really good example, going back to the girl thing. Um, you know, I remember a 20-year-old, I'm going to answer your question. I remember as a 20-year-old, you know, I was scared to talk to women. So it was a fear of mine. But learning psychology said, listen, if you do what is fearful, you will get confidence. It's systematic. It is a roadmap. You do what you're scared of you will get confidence. So I started doing this so much and I was terrified of women. If you meet me today, you're like, this guy's the life of the party. No way. No (laughs) way this guy is scared to talk to women. There's no way possible. Um, But I did that work. And so eventually, year after year, I started developing more confidence. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, from 24 to 25, And listen, it wasn't about betting the girls. It was it was about that, sure, but I found out that I got something better.
0: A small portion. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a small portion, but really (laughs) seriously speaking, you know, I I love, hey, I'm a 23-year-old guy. Listen, you know, hey, but I found something that was even the bigger, bigger gold. I found that, oh my God, I'm turning into somebody that's confident. Like Hmm. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was living wow. with my mom, drinking beers. Like, I was depressed severely. I was, I was at my wit's end. And so, you know, I had to change something. And that little thing actually catapulted me even further. And so that's when I started. One night, I, I came home drinking. I saw this commercial. It was for real estate. That led me to wholesaling, um, which led me to my first mentor. And so that confidence that I got from developing myself was the confidence that led me to have confidence in my ability to figure something out. uh uh-huh.
0: gotcha. okay, gotcha.
1: and so and so from there, um, you know, I went six months without getting one deal. And a lot of people quit. Yeah. It's insanity, man. Like a lot of people quit. And so fast forward, uh, about a month later, I meet a drug dealer turned real estate investor by accident on Craigslist. And he says, come have a beer with me, dude.
0: That's where you you meet those guys is on
1: Craigslist. That's That's where you meet them, sure. Luckily, I didn't
0: get banged in my ass. You know, like, you know, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse, yeah. It
1: could have been a lot worse, you know. So, you know, luckily, you know, I meet this guy and I'm begging him. I'm like, bro, let me come work for you. Let me come work. No, I don't have anybody. But guess what? I really like you. You're cool. I'm not going to fuck you even though you met me from Craigslist, I'm not going to rape you, but you know, all joking aside, like, Hey, I'll teach you the business. Ask me any questions. And when I'm able to, I'll answer them for you. And I was like, okay, Mm. I guess that's a fair trade. And so he, he gave the wrong person this
0: entry to him because like, Dude, you were the guy that kept, never quit fucking asking questions.
1: I never stopped, yeah. dude. And to this day, <laughs> yeah. I have a student in New York. He was like, bro, just another question. I, did. I said, he said, bro, can I ask? Another, I'm going to ask one other question. I did. He said, dude, shut the fuck up, man. You can ask. <laughs> if you have a million questions, I want you to ask a million too. Here's why. Because I want you to feel like you're getting traction in what I do. And what we do, if you don't have any traction in this, if you don't feel more importantly, if you don't feel like you're getting traction in this, then you're not going to do the things that I need you to do to close this deal. So we can split the deal 50, 50, and you get paid and I get paid. Bottom line, you have to, this is a partnership. This is a mini partnership. You've got to have the confidence in me, but that starts with me giving you the answers to your questions.
0: And this is your mentorship that's that you're talking about basically. And this is,
1: and this is a little bit of how we do our mentorship gotcha. And so, and so ultimately that's, that's really what kind of switched my gear. Okay. And that's real. And I've never shared that with anybody. You're the first person I've actually <laughs> articulated this I love it. with. Yeah. Because if you take something with science behind it, and you apply it to your life, you're going to see miracles happen. As corny as that sounds, you're going to see miracles happen because I'm not the first case study. I'm not the second. But anybody that learns about psychology and applies it to their life can win and can win big. I'm living in a $3,000 apartment in downtown los angeles it was a goal of mine to live here i wrote it down i literally wrote it in my journal that i want exposed ac for some reason i, I saw it on like uh like an ad and i was like dude i want to see the vents like that's so cool the concrete it's so cool like dude i had a 500 hundred dollar apartment that's in houston AC. Dude, I was weird like I'm telling you That's I like hilarious.
0: That I love that. No, I love that that's, yeah. It's great.
1: You, yeah. you know it was it was that, man. So it was like I wanted so like I think about these things and I think about them often because if anybody can have real success with psychology, oh man, that's just that's super fulfilling to me, man. That's super fulfilling because listen. It wasn't too long ago where I was waking up and spending two hours in bed, depressed, and like just doing nothing with my day. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. Right. So psychology was able to, psychology was given to me as a good tool. And I always go back to that. I always go back to that, man. So Good. I hope yeah. that answers your question. No, whether. yeah,
0: it does. Uh could you um so for people who don't understand,
1: because
0: I don't have a lot of like real estate experts that watch my sure. podcast, as far as I'm aware, if I do, it's yeah. great. But explain to people because I get I actually get asked this a lot because people you know who don't know, like you know, I recently got into the real estate market, um, investment, wholesaling, exactly what Joe was talking about. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible that, yeah, you know, actually, uh, Joe and I might actually be doing some work together here at some point, uh, soon here in the future. But, um, explain to people who don't understand, explain to people what wholesaling is. Cause you said that in the initial, and I don't think a lot of people still, even to this day, I don't think a lot of people know what that is. Cause that's a question I get asked all the time. Like, what the fuck is that? So explain to people from someone who is like doing it, who's involved in it. Explain exactly in so people can understand you just explain kind of what that is and how you do it.
1: Sure. So there I'm gonna give you a short answer and a long answer. That's so great. the short answer is you're basically the middleman, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be licensed to be a middleman of real estate. So you bring you find a property that's discounted because it's a fixer upper, and you find that seller that wants to sell it to you, or maybe even a little bit less, or maybe it's priced at the right price where you can juice up that price. So let's take, for example, a property is 40,000. That's the asking price. And you look up the comparable sales in the neighborhood and you see that, Hey, there's a property all fixed up for, you know, 100, maybe 110. Well, you need to go find the person that's going to renovate that property. And you need to bring these two people together. And if you get that property under contract, and again, you don't need to be licensed. If you get that property under contract for 30,000, 40,000, and that rehabber, what we call a rehabber, the person that's going to renovate it, can make his monthly nut or his project nut and still pay you a fee, then he'll buy it from you. And that is exactly what wholesaling is. You are just the middleman. You bring these two people together and the better you negotiate on the front end with the seller, the more that you'll make when it comes to selling the deal with the buyer. And another good example I like to use is, which is often used in real estate, we are the pawn shop. That's it. We're the pawn shop of real estate. And so ultimately, you're bringing in your little house in your hands to the pawn shop. And you know, you're not going to get retail full value for it. But in exchange for that, we're going to hand you convenience and hand you cash very quickly. And in our case, that's usually as fast as seven days to maybe two to four weeks. Okay. Barring there's no problems with the title and that's more advanced stuff, but That's what wholesaling is. And the beauty in this is that you, again, do not need a license. You do not need to be a realtor. You do not need to be a broker. You do not need big cash or big credit. You do, however, need money to find these types of sellers quicker than later because if I said, hey man, I'll get you a deal, but it took you 12 months to get that deal, you'd be like, dude, fuck you. I'm out of here. You wanna get that, you wanna get that deal quicker. So the more money you have up front for marketing to find these deals and sellers, the better you're going to be and the quicker you're gonna to be to get that first deal.
0: So you for just for people can be aware, there's there's several different types of marketing you can use to find it. And and in reality, a lot of times it's actually the same marketing that real estate agents, brokers use to find the properties, uh, to get people to, you know, they, they pull the same kind of lists, uh, you know, real estate agents, you know, I think, I think people think that they go, well, I wouldn't want to do that because you're just kind of on your own. I want to be involved in a brokerage so that I can get access. Cause I think they think that getting involved with a brokerage gives you like exclusive access to exclusive properties and if you want to make money as a real estate agent, no matter what you want to do, you have to go and find the properties. You know to get people to put that house on the market. Either way, you got to spend money when it comes to marketing. You know, uh, when you're a real estate agent, it's a little bit different. But I know when it comes to wholesaling, like, you know, there's a few different ways. I know that you know a lot of people do. Like, you know, they do the skip tracing with cold calling and all that stuff, which basically just means, like, finding the numbers of homes that you either pull a list from off the internet or you, you know, drive around a neighborhood, you pull an address, you find a house that you like, you're like, I'm going to pull the name and the number of this person and, you know, just call them up and just see if they're willing to sell their house. Um, But I know that you, in particular, like, you use... Um, Direct to mail marketing, right? Is that right? Is that what it's called exactly? Or is it okay. it's called something else? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, uh, you know, I a lot, again, I'm a big nerd. Okay. You know, like they get me in a street fight and I'll swing. Like I'm not a punk, but at the same time, I, I try to be as well rounded as possible. So, mm. what does that mean in terms of real estate? I want to make things as optimal and as efficient as possible. So I don't want us to make a thousand calls to get one deal. That's a lot of management and that's a lot of headache. And when it comes to the basics of economics, economics 101 says supply and demand. Okay. Supply and demand. We know that Everybody needs a house. We know that people want to be in real estate. People want to sell and people want to buy. That's a given. But what is the demand? Well, the demand is like multifaceted. There's different layers to it. And the layer that we have to deal with is the demand of leads and the quality of these leads. And Um, how many people that we can actually talk to. So in other words, at the end of the day, this lead source of cold calling is dramatically oversaturated. Dramatically oversaturated. Meaning that it's so bad that the government has to step in now. And the government has put sanctions on text messaging sanctions on cold calling sanctions on everything that has anything to do with those two. So we don't want to play in that ball game. We want to play in the ball game. That's fair. And that doesn't break any rules. Now I'm not to say, not to say that cold calling is legal. That's not what I'm saying, but there's a gray line that a lot of investors Will tote, will cross that gray line. They'll cross it. into the black or into the white, into illegal activities and illegal things that you are not supposed to be doing. So we go into the more efficient model, which is hey, we send you a postcard. If you wanna send us, if you wanna call us, great. If you don't, great. Fantastic but we're not bombarding your phone. We're not spamming you. We're the same guys as Domino's. We're going to send you a coupon. If you want to call us, great. If not, you know, some people call us and tell us to fuck off. You know, hey, that's fine. But, you know, that is the model that I follow. I follow that model not just for, you know, I'm not some big moral guy. Listen, you know, I want to do things the right way, but I'm telling you because it's the efficient way to do things in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So, uh, yellow letter marketing, direct mail marketing, uh, you know, that's pretty much, you know, the gist of our business, about a good 80% of our business.
0: Do you, you I, I, I remember this from your interview with, with, uh, you did with Natalie, but, um, is it, did you do, um, did you do bandit signs originally? Was that that your first? Okay, yeah. So for people who don't know what that is, bandit signs are basically like they're those little signs you guys see, like next to like the stoplights and stuff on the side of the road in the grass that where you see the little signs that say, like, we buy homes for cash. Like those are bandit signs, technically. And they're called bandit signs. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're called bandit signs because they're technically like you're not supposed to put up just like free marketing <laughs> without like state government, like um uh taxation right like you have to pay the you have to pay the government the local government so much money to be able to put up billboards to be able to put up signs that kind of stuff so technically whenever you put up a sign it's not technically you're not paying anybody to do it so like people who put up bandit signs they put them up in the middle of the night right am i right or wrong is that, is that right, is right. That exactly yeah so like they they drive around basically like in the middle of the night when in a pickup truck or whatever you'll see a bunch of guys driving around and they'll just start taking signs out and like you know, they do this obviously with, uh, you know, campaigns for, you know, ads and that kind of stuff for, you know, political campaigns and all that kind of stuff too, where, or people just selling services, right? Like you'll see like just random services on the side of the road sometimes in just random spots. You'll see people that has a sign that says like, you know, um, you know, for guitar lessons, call this number or whatever <laughs> you will see the sketchy signs or like, you know, um, but That's those are technically bandit signs. And I remember you saying originally that was your first that was your first marketing strategy.
1: That was our first marketing strategy. And and ultimately what ended up happening was people started the city started becoming more aware of the signs. (laughs) Well, they were enforcing the Uh, the outlaw of bandit signs because because our market was quickly turning and a lot of people wanted to take advantage of that and so being in Houston's market we're in Houston Texas as a market I live in Los Angeles at the time I was living in Houston I would put out the signs myself and so long story short you know the city started getting very very mad with all of the signs, and then on top of it, the residents in areas, some areas they would complain, and so ultimately, as that became saturated, we moved on to the better thing, which is direct mail, which is yellow letters, and and anybody who's anybody in this business, a large portion, there's a guy here in San Diego, uh, not in San Diego, in, uh, near Riverside, um, which only, I think, I think he said 90% of his business is, um, is yellow letters. And he doesn't do any cold call. He doesn't do any direct, uh, via text message marketing, none of that. And so I thought that was amazing because, you know, this guy's got quite a team and it goes to show you like, Hey, the fundamentals usually work. Usually they do the great job. It's that fact that, you know, people want to get fancy. People want to do things. Um, they want to be a contrarian. That's fine, but sometimes that's not going to
0: work. Long term. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like, um, you know, I, 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 I want to get into your how you design. We got, to, we got to talk about how you design your your postcards because uh, I I remember on in the interview with her, you talked about like you, I think you asked, didn't you say you, have you ever heard of a, of an all black postcard? And I just think that that's so like, <laughs> first of all, it's so you, right. Just knowing who you are in the past week or so just talking to you, being able to learn about you a little bit. That's definitely like your personality, but like, it's also like just, that, that's so like unique. Cause you're right. No one would ever think about making a postcard. That's a hundred percent like, uh, like totally black, black, yeah. black, black with white lettering,
1: with white lettering.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So where'd you, yeah. where'd you come up with that? How'd you, how do you, how do you come up so, with that idea?
1: I can't take the credit for that, Okay, but what I, what I will say is yeah, there needs to be Principles that you do use. So there's a great book called, um, you know, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. Uh, This is the number one hedge fund manager in the world. Uh, This guy's been on top for Jesus, I don't know how long, but he talks about principles. Uh, He talks about the principles. And one of the principles in marketing is how do you capture attention? in a world that has already beat you to the punch with a new attention-seeking ad? How do you stand out? And so it's not just, hey, how do you creatively come up with an idea? That's just the first base. Mm-hmm. The second and third base in home are testing it out. Okay, I'm going to send out one mailing campaign. Sorry, that's not going to cut it. In marketing, you need at least a six-month data entry point of how much it's giving you versus your traditional marketing. So, so we do something similar. Got you know, we science. didn't do you six months. You got the
0: science in there.
1: We got the science in there, and and so ultimately, you know, I learned from um, this guy's name is Levinston. I forget his first name. But he was responsible, a massive marketer in the 80s, uh ad man, he was responsible for the Marlboro man. That you've <laughs> ever heard of those, you know, camel, yeah. you heard know, of those marble reds, the cowboy yeah. killers? Okay, well, everybody in the 80s, if you ask any old OG, you ask any old guy that smokes cigarettes or used to, you say. Hey, man, what did you guys smoke in the 80s? They're going to give you a completely different cigarette. This guy was so good at his craft in ads that he literally revolutionized that industry. He completely turned, on it, turned it on its head. Only women smoked Marlboros in the 80s. Now the predominant cigarette sold in America is a Marlboro cigarette. It's the number one selling cigarette. It's insanity. So I took, who is the best? This guy was one of the best. So I said, I've got to learn from this guy. All of my competition, a lot of my competition just wants to know, how do you cold call? How do you, what's the best skip tracer? Oh, you know, how do you say this? Oh, you know, perfect example today. They're missing the target. They're not going deep enough. It's like, Like, uh, I'll give you a side, I'll give you a side comment with this. Even going back to the dating thing, because men, men do need to learn how to talk to women. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't want to figure out the pickup lines. I was like, I don't give a shit about the pickup lines. Where's the real meat and potatoes that's going to give me sustainable results over the rest of my life. Mm. Where, where did, what are the principles and the principles in marketing is split testing, A, B testing. Okay, great. If one, if one postcard is working, great, that's cool. But can that, can another postcard outperform this postcard? Can another list outperform this list? What's going on? We need to know more. We don't have enough data here to make quality decisions. So we need to figure out more. And that's what marketing is about. Most of my competition, they don't know what they don't know. Like I'm talking to, I'm talking to a friend of mine today. He's like, oh, you don't need to spend more money. I said, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Of course you need to spend more money. No, what do you mean you don't need to spend more money? So let me get this right. You're spending two to $3,000 to get one deal. And now we're in a hotter market, which means more buyers, which means less deals because people are coming into our market. And you're saying you don't need as many leads. What, what are you talking about? That literally makes zero sense. And I'll give you a better example. I told him, told, let's call him Henry. I said, Henry, look, three years ago, bro, I used to spend $2,500 to get one deal three years ago. Now I have to spend five grand to get a deal. dude. But I'm also making more money per deal because I understand my markets. I understand I went deep into the ground. Like I didn't just go through, you know, surface level dirt. I went deep, 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 deep. I found oil going the deepest I can. That's where the oil is. That's where the gold is. That's where the rich is. There's a great book called deep work. That's what it is to be successful. You didn't just go, you know, watch a seminar and learn how to do a bodybuilding contest. You don't learn what it takes. No, you went right. deep into it. You, you went into those nights where you're like, Oh man, this is fucking bullshit. I shouldn't be doing this. Let me just go back to my old life. Fuck this shit. We speak the same language. Yeah. We speak the same language. Everything is going deeper into it. Not mm. on the not on the surface level. The surface level is a trick. It's a trick. It's a there to fuck with you. Hey, there' a lot of tricks, dude. It's a lot of tricks. <laughs> you know, don't get yeah. caught. Don't get caught with the tricks. Get caught with the wife you know so you know it is what it is <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. so so that's that's really my stance on it man because ultimately you've got to not stop most people will stop and that's why most people don't live the life that they want because they mm. quit they quit it's not rocket science it's, it's not rocket science it's hey, work harder, work stronger, work smarter. Keep going, and you can figure it out. But right. you cannot quit. You cannot quit.
0: Yeah, I, I think like that's that's just, that obviously it, that's like the answer in a lot of different things. And I'm, I I, <laughs> I recently started watching uh, Jordan Belfort's podcast. Uh, I, I hadn't before, but I, I started listening to it uh, a few days ago. <laughs> He's actually he has some really good stuff on there, surprisingly. And he's funny. He's a funny guy. So like um he's he, he needs like another
1: lung though, man. That guy's always running out of breath. I always make fun of him. Like, oh,
0: <laughs> well, God, I mean, not... he, he really abused himself. You know, I mean, I think I abused myself for a while. He really abused himself, you know, for many years. But um he probably does have. Right? Some this, oh, yeah, dudes, probably,
1: sure. dudes, dudes probably went through a lot of drugs on that movie <laughs> oh
0: yeah. man yeah yeah so yeah. i mean like i can't even imagine so like because like obviously that movie sums it up you know his book and his movie sums it up in like a matter of like you know a few hours but like you know he lived that life for like almost like 30 some years almost like 20 some years basically yeah and so yeah, he does has some stuff going on for no doubt right and <laughs> something the other day he brought and I don't even, you know, I, this is no disrespect to the individual. I, I I don't even really like Grant Cardone, really, but I do like some of the things that he says. And I even like he had Grant Cardone on on his podcast. This was, I think, it was a while back, but I was just listening to the podcast the other day, and because uh, I wanted just to see those two on a podcast together, and uh, it was it was just funny though because of this, some things that Grant said. Grant goes, Jordan was asking him a question. He said and for people who don't know who Grant Cardone is, he's a, you know, he's an entrepreneur who's done a lot of, he's, he's he's made a lot of money mostly in real estate, but I think in a lot of other things too, that he's been involved with. But, um, he says in the interview, Jordan asks him like, what's that one thing where you, I can't remember what he says, how he said it, but it's like, he's asking him basically like, you know, what do you find is the one thing that's the most successful? And, And he goes, he goes, I'll tell you this. He goes, the person that's looking for that for the thing typically it just means they don't want to do the work. And I love that because it's so true. And it's like that for everything. Is like, I like to think of myself as a, as, as like, I can get anybody to the goal, health, fitness, biohacking wise, whatever they want to be. I have, I feel like I have the ability to knowledge. I I definitely have the network, no matter even if I feel like I lack somewhere in a in a place, I have the network to be able to take anybody there. I'm very confident with that. However, I can't take you where you want to go if you're coming to me because you think I have the thing that's gonna make it different than it's been before. It's like if you still haven't figured out that 90% of it comes from you right then the 10% that i give you which is like the 10% where you could say is like it's a huge part but without the 90% of your work of you wanting to apply it it's never it's never going to happen it's never going to work because i don't have a secret to give anybody right and i think a lot of people assume that like because of certain things that I say, because of kind of how, when I say, like, I can get anybody into the shape that I that they want to be in, regardless of their goals or why they're doing it, they think it's because I have some, like, I have some, like, trick, right? And a lot of coaches will sell you on the back, like, they, they, they'll they sell you, like, oh, I have a trick. Um, I don't really... There you have to watch out for those people because no one has a trick. I'm just gonna be honest, be real with everybody. Nobody's got a trick. There is no trick, right? If we had figured out the trick, everybody would have it. Like literally everybody who had money would be in insane, amazing shape because they would be the first people with access to the, to the trick, right? But there's a lot of wealthy people who have access to all kinds of things health and fitness wise that can make their life way and they have access to it. That makes it way easier to get in shape than the people who have less money. But the thing is, is like there's still a lot of those people that aren't in great shape. So that shows you that like, no matter where you sit in the tax bracket or whatever, you still, regardless of what you have, whatever you have access to, if you don't want to put the work into it, you're never going to get in what like, you're never going to get out of it. What you think you're, you know, Putting into it because you're not putting anything in. If you're not putting the work in, you're not putting anything in.
1: You're trying to shortcut everything, man, and and that's the problem. Um, that's a huge problem. Um, there's a mentor. I uh, hope I don't butcher this, but he says there's four pillars of success, and I've got it. Actually, I've got some notes here, um, so I actually am not going to mess it up, but. Long story short, um, there's four major pillars. The first major pillar is be a perfectionist when it matters. And what you say right now is, hey, don't dodge the hard work. You can't. So that you have to be a perfectionist at. You have to be a perfectionist at just Working hard in the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the beginning you have to work hard. Whatever it is, you have to work hard at it in the beginning. and it's just like a plane or just like anything. most of a plane, most of the plane's effort is 80 to 90 percent in the beginning and getting a plane up in the air, then you're just coasting. then it's 10 or five percent right so so it applies just the same and so the other three pillars are guess what yep hard work number three um, you know being diligent and actually choosing the right thing like if I was a, if I were to go try to play for the Los Angeles Lakers that's not the right decision bro I'm 35. Okay. Like that's not, I'm kind of a fucking moron if I think I can play for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not the right decision. Okay. That's not. And so you have to
0: be kind of realistic, right? Don't you agree? Realism is important. Yeah. I tell a lot of clients who come to me when it comes to bodybuilding aspirations, they have to be realistic. Number one. So, and that's, that's a hard one for people to get. Yeah. And the
1: last one is the hardest. And this has been a challenge for me over the past when I first got started. And sometimes it could be a challenge for me because it's not my natural ability. And the fourth one is being organized, being organized. You told me before we started, you told me before you started, oh, dude, you know, a lot of people don't come prepared. I sat there, got my hair cut and I was sitting there taking notes to some of the questions oh, that you would ask i love it because because i've got to be organized otherwise i'm going to sound like a crazier fuck than i really ought to be sounding like and, and, you know? yeah so so you know i've got to be I, i've got to be organized and that's not a natural talent for me and yeah. and for people that are left-brained individuals where, you know, maybe your accountant or your accountants, your uh, people that are great with numbers, you know, spreadsheet people, those accountants, those, you know, majors in, you know, business accounting and financing, those are left brain people. It's It's easy for them to have structure. It's easy for them, but it's not easy for them to always work hard. It's not easy for them to pick the right thing. It's not easy for them to do these things. And so, you know, everybody's got, you know, a mixed bag. And so these four things have kind of helped me, you know, stay the course and help me, you know, get to those next levels. If I'm not, if I fail on a project, yeah, it's probably likely that, you know, I wasn't working hard enough or I wasn't organized enough. The other two, I'm always good on because they're naturally right brain activities in my opinion. But those other two are kind of left brain activities. So I've got to work on those things because those are my weaknesses. But it goes back to originally what I was telling you, you got to be honest with yourself and you have to have observing ego you have to step out of yourself and say, you know what? I'm a fucking moron right here, dude. If, if I want to continue to be a moron, mm, you know, my life's going to be X, Y, Z. And I yeah. wholeheartedly believe that, man. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person, like, like if like I have to, I have to be somewhat prepared uh, for what I want, but, I, for some reason, like, I'm just always the type person too. Like I'm better left if you just take me and you just, you're going to get the best, you're going to get the best out of me because I'm at my best when I'm at my most like raw, right? Like when you just take me and throw me into the ring of fire, like, because the way my mind works, something in me just takes over. Right. So like, I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. Like, I'm literally, like I told you before the call, like we talked, like I'm literally, a I'm just like channeling something else, like through me almost. Like uh, something that sort of allows me to channel a different side of me that people don't normally see when you take me and throw me in a position where I have to perform. And like, that's just, you know, and that could be from a sense of like, yeah. Probably like the pressure. Yeah. I mean, I, Oh yeah, definitely. I'm addicted to (laughs) pressure. I'm addicted to pressure for sure. Like, I don't know, like, it's kind of like, it. yeah, it's kind of crazy people, people like, um, when I tell people certain things like that, I like situations, I, I don't know if it's like, I purposely put myself just like, like, uh, you know, unconsciously put myself in those situations or just like, you know, I'm doing it. On, you know, I don't know. I don't know. What the, I don't know what the deal is, but there is a lot of times where I put myself into situations where, if, like, I could have easily avoided putting myself into like ridiculous amounts of unwanted pressure. But like you said, like I, for some reason, am just like I perform best when I'm in that situation. Like, and obviously, when I was a kid, I started out kind of on a stage when I was a kid. So, like. Um, i've always had that like sense of like i was always comfortable when i was like i have to perform and i think i've only ever gotten anxiety one time when i did a performance and that was like a has that been a long time now and but there's only ever been one one time that i can ever account for in my life and i'm not even really sure exactly why that was the case i i think that really had to do with some underlying times that you did it no 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 no. that's the thing is like um it is well like for people who don't know like i i I played i played violin as you know a younger kid and i was like i mean i was pretty i was at a pretty high level i mean at the point where i was winning awards every year for you know um distinguished awards for you know best solo performance at you know ensembles and stuff every single year and uh in in front of judges and stuff in in my state and in my age group and um i was i i think i started when i was i want to say i started when i was nine or ten and but i've been performing like i started singing when i was like three or four so i think the first time i ever got on stage i was like four or five and then um, yeah, I started playing violin when I was like nine years old, I think. And yeah, I started winning, I started winning awards when I was like 10, 10, 11, 12, 13. I was like winning like really big, like, uh, judging competitions, like solo competitions. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I was, and it was literally, this, what was crazy about the one situation is that there was this one situation where, like it, it was it wasn't even for a competition it wasn't for anything right it was literally just for like a it was for like it was like sort of like a just a a family kind of thing like not even like my family that i'm saying like it was for like the families of people of a group that i was a part of um of different solo performances everybody had kind of had their solo play like some people played piano like some people did you know violin whatever like um you know, some people played all, there's all kinds of different string instruments, but for me, like, um, it it wasn't even a judging there. It wasn't, it wasn't a competition and maybe that was why, maybe it was because I wasn't competing. Therefore, you know, I didn't, it wasn't the same draft, but I just remember like, for some reason, I just had like massive anxiety when it came to like that one performance. And I, dude, I, I I don't want to say like, I stuck it up. Like I, I, from in most people's perspectives, most people couldn't tell that I was that I'd messed up, but like I, I, I it was probably one of the worst performances I've ever given solo wise. And I just remember being so relieved. How old were you at that time? Uh, I want to say, like, I want to say I was around, I want to say I was around like almost, almost 14, almost 14 mm-hmm. at that time. I want to say I was like, yeah, like at, this is this is after I've already been at like a very high level winning. A lot of awards uh you know i have performed in front of a lot of people you know before and uh yeah i don't i don't know what it was about but um yeah i've done i've had the same thing happen in in basketball
1: yeah it's um it's very it's very shocking you know yeah. in that moment to yourself but yeah i mean it's it's definitely happened yeah i know what it's like
0: yeah i don't know and I, I can never really figure out like why that and i think back to that like that one incident because it's just not me right like i like we said like i you know like i really perform best when people just take like people just take me and just throw me in the ring of fire and i like gotta just figure it out um yeah you like proving your worth yeah I almost think, yeah, i
1: kind of feel that i kind of feel yeah. like the same thing because you know what what um you know what i like to do when i started um you asked a question earlier what got you transitioned into real estate well, I forgot to mention that I used to do door-to-door sales.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Okay. I, I talked to you that talked to you initially, and that was kind of the deal of you know my background. I was telling you, like, yeah, I used to go door-to-door. Well, what anyways, were you, what
0: were you selling?
1: Uh, it was it, it wasn't even really selling. I guess it was uh, just switching people's providers from uh one electricity company yeah to another and Houston at the time had a deregulated market um i think it's still the same way but um they had a deregulated market which means nobody has a monopoly on the electricity mm-hmm. and so uh pretty much you could sell and you know broker all this crazy stuff so anyways um you know i would say i would get dropped off in the neighborhood and they would have like mid shift meetings. They would be like, okay, what do you guys have? How many sales do you guys have? Well, I would tell myself, I would tell them, oh yeah, i got six sales, bro. And I would only have four. And watch this psychotic, crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I never, I swear to God on my dead father's grave, I had never one night gave them a lower number turning in my sheets. In other words, I, if I said six, I always got six. Even if I was at three or four, I never got less than the number I gave them because I wanted that pressure. Mm. I thrived in it. I actually enjoyed it. It was like kind of a, a like talking shit, like, Hey, watch what I fucking do. Assholes watch this. (laughs) And so like, I got a jolt of that. And so, you know, it kind of goes into, you know, what you were saying earlier where you, hey, you got the bad dad saying on your shoulder, hey, I think it's time for us to sleep on the ground. You're not, you didn't earn this dude. Like, hey, let's put the pressure on you. Let's see what you're all about. Let's see what you can do. And so, you know, I kind of have a weird theory on that. And I like to say, hey, we like to, we like to know who we are so
0: yeah yeah i know Anyway, like, so for how can how can people find you what are the best ways for people to get in touch with you uh you know uh, get more information about what you do in real estate um all that stuff and uh also like you know if you guys follow joe on instagram he he has an instagram called a whole wholesale and is it wholesale and chill is that what it is wholesale and chill Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he has yeah. and his, and he's, he, he, he posts his own toxic content on there, which is really funny. <laughs> I'm that joking. That. Yeah, he, he posts so much stuff on there. He's really, his own memes. Is really, he's, he's, he's really, he's pretty funny. And uh, he posts a lot of good stuff. But yeah, if you guys want to learn more about just some basic stuff too, because he also, you also share really good stuff on your story every now and again from people, other people in the business too. Like you're really big on that um, sharing what other people are doing and, uh, you know, just, you know, having, so if you want to learn like just some basic stuff, you know, follow my Instagram. Do you have, do you have a Twitter too?
1: So I had, I have a Twitter, but I'm not very active on Twitter. I basically just use it, you know, to post on Instagram and kind of like share, you know, you know, um, you know, positive things and, and kind of, you know, quotes that I think are important for us at this time. So ultimately, you can follow me on Instagram, send me a dm. We only coach um by a one on one basis so um you know you and I were talking about that like mm-hmm. we have uh a shared a shared goal when it comes to you know our coaching business and a mm-hmm. shared standard and a shared mm-hmm. standard like we won't take more than you know five to seven clients at a time. Because then, if we take on too many, then, you know, the quality of those students and their education goes down. And Mm so, you know, we're not going to overextend ourselves. So, right now, we actually have exactly five students and we don't take on more than seven at a time. And so, um, you know, you can reach out to me at Wholesale and Chill and go look at my page. Um, Feel free to look at the receipts. You know, we have. Receipts there showing you know forty fifty sixty thousand dollar assignment fees, uh, twenty thirty thousand dollar assignment fees, and and we teach people one on one, which means what means to you guys is, hey, you have twenty four seven access to me via email, text message, and phone call, so you have direct access to my cell phone number, which I don't give out to many people. And we walk you through every single step. And that means from your marketing to closing your first deal, I'm walking you through every single step. I'm telling you exactly what to send out for marketing. I do the marketing campaign with you. We do a FaceTime phone call. We order the marketing campaign right there live on your laptop. None of the money goes to me directly. All that money goes into the marketing, not me directly. So your first cost, I don't want any part of the deposit or any part of the coaching fee. All you have to pay for is the marketing. You can pay. We're so, we've are so we been coaching for so long that we don't need to have a deposit. We don't want, we want to show you kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street. Remember saying, remember that line? It's like, let me show you, you know, your first winner and then we can, but we're actually doing it. We're not ripping you off, <laughs> but you know, it's, yeah. it's funny. It's funny, but you know, we walk you through every single step. And after you do your first marketing campaign and close your first deal, then you can pay us the marketing fee. Uh, I'm sorry, not the marketing fee, the coaching fee, and you can pay us in increments. So we really don't, we really don't take our coaching business to scale. We only do that kind of as a fulfillment kind of deal, and also a win-win deal. So if you go and learn how to do this, we'd love you to bring a deal to us in the future. So it's a win-win for me, and it's a win-win for the student because we're giving you access to a skill that's going to teach you how to bring in, and this is a year long mentorship, teach you how to bring in at least six figures every single year with wholesaling.
0: Yeah. And so for those people, you know, who I talk about all the time, like those of you guys who like, you know, listen, guys, as we all know, the economy is changing. We talked about it on the last episode, you know, the supplement industry is changing. Supplement industries are not going to be able to pay you guys what you guys think that you're going to be able to get paid a year, they're going to have to cut their losses somehow. So you you need to understand that there's never a better time to get involved. If you're going to create a second stream of income right now is the time, because I'm telling people right now, all of the bodybuilders, all of the fitness individuals out there, if you're still going for that supplementation sponsorship, if you think that's how you're going to get paid and I understand Everybody just wants to sit around on their couch and not do anything except eat, sleep and work out. Like I get that. Like I've had that mentality. I've been there. It doesn't get you anywhere in life. And uh, you know, listen, all the bodybuilders who you guys look up to the ones who have done the most work, who have made the most success, you know, uh, Jay Cutler being a great example they they didn't get there by just, you know, eat, eat sleeping and training and just letting somebody else worry about their money. You got to worry about your own money. Learn if anything, go on his page, check out what he posts on there. You're, you're going to learn some things, and um, you know you're going to learn how to at least look into maybe finding a way to create a second Even if it's not through his mentorship program, even if like you know um, he has too many clients or he can't coach you at the time, like take the time to learn more until he can, and then maybe later down the line you have more money to work with Joe to spend that money into marketing. Um, You know, these are just things that people in our industry, we're going to have to start thinking about because unfortunately the first thing that people are going to cut when it comes to their expenses, as these inflation continues to go up and it's going to continue to go up guys, the first thing they're going to cut is, is, is people like you and supplement companies, especially right now, you know, we're getting insane numbers on all kinds of shit. I know, you know, like I have my friends who are in the supplement industry. Um, you know, I know major, major players in the supplement industry. You know, I have, a, I have a client of mine who owns Armada Nutrition, which is like one of the biggest distributors when it comes to supplement manufacturing. They're losing, they're, they're very close to losing money if they don't continue to raise their prices. So they're only making very small margins compared to what they were. So the price of all that stuff is going to go up. And guess where they cut out their expenditures, they're going to cut off their expenditures when it comes to the bodybuilders first. So, you know, make sure you guys, you know, establish that second stream of income, you know, learn, put yourself in a position to be successful. Don't wait until, you know, put yourself underneath that line, right. That line that I talk about, put yourself underneath there so that you can make sure that you're taking care of, that you're always staying in a place where you're not worried about where your next, paycheck is coming from because you don't know if you're going to be sponsored by the same company a month from now. So make sure that you're putting yourself in the opportunity to be able to do that. And by putting yourself underneath that line, don't wait for the economy guys to put you underneath that line. Do it, do it now, make a decision now.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, it's the same thing with, um, this market that we're in, we're in a hot market real estate wise, But at the same time, you got to have a pulse on what's going to happen in the near future.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So when I got started in this business, um, you know, the market just crashed. It was literally the perfect time because it could only go up. It was 2008, 2010, that kind of area Mm -hmm. when we were having a big crash. Yeah. Right. And the 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 same. Yeah. Yeah, and the same thing is going on right now. They're putting sanctions on phone calls, text messaging, and voicemail drops. So that gives you an opportunity to do other marketing, such as direct mail. Such as, it's the same principle. You know, It is literally the exact same principle. Something else is drying up. Who loses? The people that aren't paying attention. The people that are paying attention and do something about it and are ahead of the curve typically do well, typically do very well. Just think about crypto. Some of the guys that are, you know, way ahead of the other guys are the guys that got in early,
0: Yeah,
1: got in super early. And so, you know, I'll, I'll leave off with this, you know, in this, mar- in this coaching that we do, um, I don't hard sell anybody. I don't hard sell. If it's not great for you and me, the first line I tell all of my students, um, or my potential students, and I say, listen, bottom line, you've got to like me and I've got to like you. And if it doesn't gel well with you, or if you don't have a good gut feeling, then don't do it. I don't need your business. I'd like your business. I'd like to do business with you if it makes sense for the two of us. But I don't want I don't want to do business together if it's not gonna make sense for the two of us. And so, you know, get ahead of the curve. And this is a 12 month mentorship. So, you know, you and I are going to work together, work alongside. And guys, you know, you made a really good point earlier. Like, hey, um, you know, don't wait for the market to turn and you guys lose all the opportunity for sponsorships, you know, don't sit around and wait, guys, you're not going to sit for 60 hours doing wholesaling. That's not what's going to happen. Like what I'm going to teach you is I'm going to teach you how to work 30 to maybe 20 hours a week dwindling guys. And think about it. I've been in the business for 10 years. Do you really think that I'm going to have you make a million phone calls? Do you think I've dwindled the system down or dwindled, you know, an efficient model so that I don't have to work extra hard and that I know that my plane's in the air and I can just kind of, you know, not rely on putting 900 pounds of force. No, I don't, I don't want you to, work too hard. So all of my students work anywhere from 20 hours, give or take, 25 hours a week working on this business. That's it. So we're not gonna you know sit there and put 60 hours into a work week. That's not you've got other things that you have to do. And just to give you a, a last piece of advice real estate investors are started as part-time, they're part-time. They don't come in full force. So I don't expect you to be a full-force investor day one. It's part-time in the beginning. Once you do your first deal, then you can make a decision. Uh, Is it going to be much better to go what I'm doing now or do something like this where I think it might be an optimal decision to go this route? So... I hope that makes
0: sense. Yeah, I really, yeah, that's, that's great. And, um, yeah, you really summed it up really well. Um, you know, Joe, I really want to thank you for coming on. I, I really thought we went over some really great topics today and, and, uh, I really, I think we covered a lot of good stuff and I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, I, I pretty much knew it was going to go, it was going to go good. (laughs) You know, I had a really good feeling about it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, you know, we'll eventually at some point, um, you know, I'll, uh, you know, if you want, I'll be able to, you know, have you back on again at some point, love to have you back on, uh, maybe with a couple other people, uh, you know, and get some other people in here and just, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, just add more onto what we are talking about when it comes to the mindset stuff, when it comes to the coaching stuff and, um, uh, you know, just have some fun, gives people some good, some good value to add to their life. That's the whole entire goal, right? It's the whole entire goal behind, you know, why I started this podcast originally, I want to be honest. I started this podcast actually, because I just wanted to talk to have a conversation with cool people, but, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, but it, it, you know, it's at the point now where like, I really want to make sure that everything that I do is we're giving, you know, real credible, good value to people out there. And we're, you know, we're, uh, you know, doing good stuff. So I feel confident. Yeah, karma
1: you know, is a thing, man. Karma is a good thing. Yeah, You know, it, it's real. I mean, in the, in the movie, A Beautiful Mind, um, that movie basically was given the Nobel, not the movie itself, but the, the I think, physicist or somebody, whoever it was, uh, he was actually awarded the Nobel Prize because he proved the model of karma. He proved mathematically that karma does exist. And so the beautiful mind is of that guy. So it's insane, man. And and I, and honestly, I taught a lot of people for free when I got started and I gave them a lot of great stuff yeah, and same, yeah. that helped me. Yeah, man, yeah, that helped thing. me, that helped me so much, man. Like even when I couldn't pay my bills back in the day, like somehow a freaking deal came on my lap and I was able to win and I was able to help myself, you know? So yeah Yeah, man keep up the great work brother
0: two 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 years until i got my first client that i had to actually pay pay me to coach them i think that was like Uh it took me two years that i was working and i tell people now i used to think that was like i used to be so embarrassed of that right but honestly in all sense it was a blessing because i learned so many things from like you know trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing over and over again until i got my first client that really paid me real money where i made my first big check I was so confident I knew what to do. I, it wasn't a problem with me at all. Cause I had I was like, you know, I had done every, all this stuff. I had messed up. I'd made all the mistakes already. You know what I mean? So it was like by then, by the time that came around, you know, I, I was ready to move. So yeah. Um uh, yeah. So uh but yeah, we'll have you back on again at some point. You know, we'll we'll stay in touch and you know, we'll we'll make sure that we'll we'll make something happen. But uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on here. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as always. And uh as always, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. It's Generation Alpha signing out. All right, see you guys.